This episode of Take It to the House is brought to you by Mesa Trophies and Plaques. Now, take it to the house. I'm Dr. C. Victor Herbert III, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover. We welcome you again to a weekly version of Taking It to the House. Come join us. Let's have fun. I'm Jania Hoover, and we are taking it to the house. My first comment, it's not even really a burn. It's more of a shout out, kudos to the organizers of this upcoming Mayweather versus Logan Paul fight. I saw the pricing structure for pay-per-view. And let me just tell you, it's genius. There are some issues with capitalism, and this is not the forum for that. But when I saw that the pricing goes from $24.99 to $69.99 based on how many people purchase, like if you're part of that first million, then you're paying $25. So all I have is kudos. Great job. Victor, what's on your mind? What's on my mind is Trevor Lawrence and the New York Jets. Years ago, John Elway took a lot of slack, a lot of flack for holding out and saying, if you draft me, I'm not going to this team. Years later, Eli Manning did it, and he's able to get his way. And pundits and fans all clamored saying, wow, that's unfairly selfish athlete. But now I think about Trevor Lawrence. And if I've seen the Jets tanking for me, and I've watched how they've ran through a countless of number one draft picks, and you want me to play on your team, I'm starting to think of my options right now. Option A, do I go to grad school and avoid getting drafted by the Jets? Option B, is there still a World League football that's around? Can I go overseas and play? Option three, can I go to the Canadian Football League and play? Option four, uh, do I have one more year eligibility left? What I'm trying to say is I'm not going to the Jets. So if Trevor Lawrence has something to pull and he can take a play out of the playbook played by Eli Manning and John Elway, play it. Why would I want to go to a perennial loser? If you look at the AFC East over the last 40 years, how many times has the Jets really won anything? We know the Patriots owned the AFC East for about 20 years. Then the Bills owned it for some time. And don't forget in the 80s, they had a guy named Dan Marino. So I don't know when the last time the Jets are relevant other than when they had Joe Namath. But if I'm Trevor Lawrence and you're tanking for me, thank you for at least letting me know. I have about four other options to go. That's what I have. You say, Trevor Lawrence, do you want to go to a losing team? Trevor Lawrence, do your homework. Look at Joe Burrow. How did it end for him going to a losing team? Running for his life, no offensive line. They were losing for a reason. Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals. Oh, he's shifty. He's quick. He's fast. What was he doing in his first year running for his life? And then you got your boy, Cleveland Browns. I'm not even going to mention his name, but it's taken him three years to get it together. So Trevor Lawrence, to my co-host's point, you may want to choose one of those other options. (laughs) A, B, C. D, they all look good. Returning back to school is an option. I love that about the NCAA because of COVID. And we'll talk more about COVID later on. But you can return to school. I think you look at the Jets, look at the Jets as an organization, perennial losers. 
uh, always in the NFC East, uh, it doormats, if you will. And so why? And they don't lead. They don't win. Why? Is it coaching? Is it uh, management? Is it ownership? What is their problem up there? Well, Trevor Lawrence, as a player, you don't worry about what it is. Look at the record. Look at the report. Do your research. Maybe you don't go there. They're probably going to have the number one pick because they're and they're going to be 0-1 forever. 0 for 2020, the Jets. So Trevor Lawrence, tank for Trevor. Trevor, think about your options, brother. Please do. Man, I'm laughing because as I was watching my team lose, um, I saw the um, highlight, you know, oh, on social media. They were saying, oh, the Jets might win and lose Trevor Lawrence. I was like, wait a minute, the Jets? What am I missing here? What is going on? So the game I was watching, they had a game break and they go there and I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Went back to my game and two minutes later, it was over. And I gotta say, you know, going with this Trevor Lawrence conversation, man, whatever you can do to avoid that train wreck, because honestly, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the Falcons, so I know about tough losses, right? I don't even have to go back to the one I don't like to talk about. I can just go back a few weeks. So when I say that you're finding creative ways to lose, I, this one, this one really took the cake. Vic, what do you think? Great question. I think it's funny. When we start looking at team cultures and we always hear about a winning culture, we know that when it came down to Tom Brady last two minutes, teams beware. You look at the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees has the ball last two minutes. Teams beware. You have learned Aaron Rodgers, the, the great quarterbacks, the great organizations that talk about a winning culture. But if you have a winning culture, let's look at the inverse. That means you can have a losing culture. Teams will find a way to lose. So you cannot be any more surprised to find out that you're less than 30 seconds away from a win, but you have a losing culture. You're going to find a way to lose. But who would think that you would have someone who's supposed to be an expert in their craft, Greg Williams? Yes, we know he has history, the bounty gate, what he did when he's in. Uh, Cleveland, and now here he is at the Jets. And you're just so prideful that you're just ready to lose that you do an all-out blitz. And just like we expect, you lost the game. So it's a horrible way to lose, but when you have a losing culture, you look at better ways to lose. And I guess that may be the best of the worst or is that the worst of the best. I don't know. But they did, their, they did what they needed to do. And now it's got my interest peaked a little bit more in the NFL because can the Jets be another 0-16 team? If that can happen, you peak my interest for this year because it's 2020. Why not? We're talking about the Jets. It comes down to the last play. You're winning the game, and there's only one way to lose the game, only one way, and <laughs> you found the way to lose it. I'm so disappointed, Greg Williams. I'm so disappointed, Jets. I'm so disappointed, veteran players. You knew better in the military. If there's an order and it's unlawful, you have the right. You are obligated to change that order, to not follow that order if it's criminal or unlawful. Veteran, who's the captain of the defense? Come on, all out blitz. 
There was one way you're going to lose that game, and that and, and you found that way to lose it. So I thought Greg Williams, yeah, he called the play, but what about the, the, the quarterback on the defense? What about that linebacker, whoever, safety, who's calling the plays on defense? Make the call. Override the call. Don't lose. Or are you all in it together? That's why I'm sorry about the NFL. Y'all sorry right about now. Jets, y'all are sorry. But that's where it comes down to um, when we start talking about leadership and we start talking about head coaches. See, a lot of times you find this in organizations or normal business sector where someone's great technician, but they're a horrible leader. You know, they can do the widgets. They could be the IT guy. They could be the great HR technician. But then you place them in a position of leadership. They can't do leadership. They can't manage. They can't inspire people. They can't bring people together. They can't have a strategic plan. They don't have a vision. Same thing here. There's no way. If you got a defensive coordinator who works for you and you're the head coach and you hear that play go out, that you're so fixated on offense. But wait a minute. Adam Gates is an offensive guru. Your offense is not on the field. So what are you managing? Your defensive coordinator calls something that you know that when I play Tecmo Bowl on Nintendo and when I play Madden on the PlayStation, that you don't play, you don't call it out blitz. So if you're the head coach and you hear this comes through your headsets, you don't think before my defensive captains get it, I'm supposed to say, Greg, what are you doing? That that shouldn't even happen. So that sounds like a, a an issue of leadership where people don't know their place. And now there's some insubordination. So I know that they fired Greg Williams, but there's still an issue there from a leadership perspective where you've allowed that to, you don't have any management of your of your team, of your coaches to make sure that one, they understand situational football. Two, I don't care how much you think we're beating the Raiders. We will not do that. This is not the type of team that we are. And two, we're not even got a winning record. Who do you think we're going to be so prideful and do an all-out blitz? We ain't that good. So I fought leadership as well. Man, let's move away from these Jets, man. I'm, we spent more time on these Jets already. Let's move off these cats, man. They, they're not even worth our time. They aren't, but that was hilarious. Good point, Victor. When it comes to leadership, it makes me think about some of these other teams. And you mentioned culture. And culture is made up of the little things. It's not, you know, when, when, when you say winning culture, we, you mentioned the Patriots. And, you know, for the better part of 20 years, they ran that division. They ran the league in, 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 in a lot of ways. And we talk about the Super Bowls, but we don't always talk about all of the little pieces that go to building that culture. And it starts with those little decisions, you know, empowering the players so that when such a call or a decision is made, and it's the wrong one because everybody can, can can make the wrong call. That veteran, like you said, um, needs to be able to switch it because at the base level, everyone needs to have fundamental knowledge of football, right? And then everyone that's playing in their particular roles needs to, to have the knowledge to make the right decisions when it's your, your coordinator. If we want to switch it to my team and they want to run uh, on first down and sometimes second down, the same exact play, every single possession and then they want to you want to be surprised yes the saints have a good defense but anybody can have a good defense if they know what's coming and you know on my social media is lighting up let's fi let's fire this offensive coordinator you know he might be a nice guy he might know a lot 
I don't quite agree with that. This is actually his second stint with the Falcons, and he's found a way to mess up in a, in a, in a lot of uh, situations. So that leadership piece is, is, is clutch. That culture piece is clutch. But I want to talk about, you know, all that glitters isn't gold. So there were a few upsets in the NFL this week, okay? Um, Giants and Seahawks, uh, the no-namers, as I call them, the Washington football team, the WTF, just kidding, WFT. So which upset surprised and or impressed you more? Each of them. Uh, but the Washington football team against the Pittsburgh Steelers surprised me a little bit more if you were in degrees, just, just a little bit more. But if you saw the last two weeks of the Pittsburgh Steelers, their gamemanship, uh, they have been lacking that killer instinct, that put away, they haven't been able to do that. So uh, they got caught this week. Their coach, full disclosure, full transparency, he said, no, we're playing like, we're playing, sorry, we're playing not up to our capabilities. So their record, talking about fool's gold, was fool's gold, but they got caught. And it's still professional football. Any given Sunday, any football team can really win. But that surprised me. That surprised me uh, because it, the Steelers came out so strong, so so well, uh, that I thought it was just going to be steamrolled. And then the Washington football team come out with a quarterback. Two years ago, they were concerned about his leg, saving his leg. So he came back from a devastating injury to lead his team. We want to talk about culture, Pittsburgh Steelers, culture, winning culture. Ron Rivera, what he's trying to do, and he's the coach of the Washington football team, what he's trying to do is build a winning culture. Well, look at what he did this year. He fought cancer. He was undergoing cancer treatments this year while the season was going on. That's showing leadership. That's showing I'm going to do everything I can to get back on the field. That inspires your team. What is this team doing now? They're not a great team by no means or stretch of the imagination. They are not a great team. But building a culture, you have to start from somewhere. The Washington football team were nowhere. They're going somewhere now. And then you put in, they had Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State quarterback. Uh, I think it's the second year. I'm not mis If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the second year, but he's not proven he can't deliver. And they bring this other quarterback named Alex Smith, like I said, two years ago, Devastating knee injury. They were even concerned about him losing his life. He's now playing. Inspirational. We got a coach fighting cancer. We got a quarterback who fought for his leg, fought, fought to get back onto the field. You want to talk about a winning culture? Just by presence alone, just by action alone, you're going to want to play for these guys. Quarterback happens to be a leader by position. Well, he led off the field to get on the field. And then you got Ron Vera leading off the field. Now he's leading on the field. They are building the culture. So should we be surprised they beat the, beat the Steelers? Should we be surprised? Actually, the Washington football team is playing better now. Yes, we should be surprised. They're playing better now, but they're going to continue to improve. And I believe the culture is being instilled by Ron Rivera. Vic, what are your thoughts, sir? Wow. Oh, man. I almost can't even add to that. But I, I agree with you. Uh, one, I live here in the D.C. area. So, of course, it's a big Washington football team uh, supporting area. Uh, so I do have them as my 
little brother favorite team only because it's local. But to watch what Ron Rivera has been able to do, to understand the Alex Smith story, and then you add to the fact that the NFC is a hot mess, someone has to rise to the top. And when you have a team like the Washington football team that has taken their lumps over the last 20 plus 30 years trying to find the right coach, trying to find the right quarterback, trying to find the right GM, and this year is the first year coming in and really making an impact, I applaud that. Look like the Cowboys don't want the division right now. Doesn't look like the Eagles want the division. And the Giants, hey, they're just trying to they're just trying to make do. So it's the Washington football team's opportunity to succeed. They've got a great defensive uh, a player that they picked up last year in Chase Young, who's only going to get better. So to see that the Steelers came up against the Washington football team at the right time or the wrong time, right place, depending upon what side you want to come from. Washington made a statement. And to this point, all that glare is not gold. It still was a undefeated Steelers team coming into uh, coming into that game. And guess what? The Steelers were at home. So it wasn't something like Washington football team uh, had the fan advantage because they're playing in, in D.C. Now, they went to Pittsburgh and stomped the mud hole in their tail. So I, I liked what I saw. I was very impressed, but I definitely was surprised because it's like, wow. Are these the Red? Are these the Washington football team? Who is this? So out of all the upsets, and not only that, that put them in first place. So definitely caught my eye uh, that Washington football team came to play. They're now in first place. And, I again, I like what you said uh, as far as just looking at that culture that Ron Rivera is building and looking at the two comeback kids, Ron Rivera and Alex Smith. Hey, I think they may be my my favorite team in NFC East to watch. And that may, that may cause my interest in the NFL this year to return. We were talking earlier about the Seahawks. I wanted to talk about that. I didn't watch the game, didn't see the game. So across the scroll, you can see Seahawks are losing. Seahawks are losing. Seahawks are losing. Well, if you've been watching this show for a couple of weeks, we were talking about the Seahawks are not putting it all together, not putting the offense together when the defense is together, defense is not together when the offense is together and the special teams. They didn't put a whole game together. We called it here. You need to stay and pay attention to taking it to the house, y'all. If you're not, please pay attention because we, we could have told you two weeks ago this is going to happen because the Seahawks, they're not, they're, not, they're not a sure thing right now. And matter of fact, their whole division is they left that division up for grabs instead of taking a commanding lead in that division. So anybody in that division, Seahawks, you had a chance to really kind of bury them. You didn't. You lost your chance. You lost your opportunity. Just watching them was very interesting. And you guys brought up some very good points. When you're talking about winning and you're talking about building a culture, success is based on how you progress. You want to be better in week 14 than you were in week 10 than you were in week two or three. So what I've seen with the Washington football team is progress. They are looking much better. They are looking much stronger. Um, my brother was texting the other night and he said the good teams get better as the season goes on. So I am intrigued to watch them as well. But also in the NFC East, seeing that Jalen Hurts is getting, getting the keys, I'm, I'm slightly intrigued with that as well. I don't like that he has to um, be initiated against the New Orleans Saints, but hey, you you get in where you fit in, sir. 
but um, there's a lot of support, you know, behind him as well. So switching gears slightly, even though we've been on this topic every week, everyone is on this topic really every single day. And there is always a story, a headline, something related to this pandemic that we are still dealing with. And when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to the NBA, when it comes to our daily lives, we are still facing it. And you're having situations, the one that stands out to me the most, and and we can all kind of share, but when the um, Ravens-Cowboys game was about to tip off, and my brothers texted and they just, they do a thing where we just say a person's name and it was like, Des, question mark. And I was like, what the heck? You know, the game is about to come on. What are you talking about? Oh, he just tested positive for COVID. So I go to Twitter. That's where I go. And Des Bryant has tweeted that they came to get him out of warmups. So again, I've got a lot of questions as far as how, you know, these protocols, but if they're pulling him from team warmups, how does that work with, you know, contact and, and all of that? I'm just confused. I am sorry that we're even having this commentary, this narrative right now, because contact tracing, you have to be concerned about. You have to be concerned about the player himself. You have to be concerned about protocol. So he comes back. They come to pull him out of warmups because he had an inconclusive positive or inconclusive evidence. Inconclusive to me means positive. That means you don't go anywhere, don't do anything. You stop, cease, and desist anything that you're doing. That because he could be positive. Don't allow him to go about his normal activities until he comes back negative. So I'm disappointed, NFL, in that with this on public display, everybody saw it that was, well, it was wide open. It was a national televised TV and it was aired on TV. Everybody saw it. It's a black eye. It's not good. How can Anyone take you serious if you don't take yourself serious? Mr. Roger Goodell, talking heads, thinking heads for the NFL. That was a black eye. That was terrible. And it, I, I'm not concerned about Des Bryant. He has a career. He's going to be fine. But just from the eye test, from the, the looks of things and how it came down, I'm sorry for Des. I'm sorry for the NFL. I'm sorry for the Ravens. And I'm sorry for the Cowboys or anybody that may be exposed and possibly at risk of catching COVID because of you guys not putting teeth into your protocols. You know, it's near and dear to my heart. That's my team. I don't know how many games we lost because of this COVID outbreak that impacted our locker room. We had how many games we scheduled? This is two weeks. So how do you have a large scale outbreak in our facility? And from either a team or even a league wide, how did you not quarantine everybody? There's no reason that whole... COVID ran through that whole locker room. So there's no reason, no reason at all if you did your contact tracing and say, we are ready to get back on the field, that someone's going to test positive. We still have two more guys that just got released today that are, are, that are now negative. But how do you come off of a self-imposed or a league-wide quarantine, shut down facilities, and you still come back on a day of a game? That's unsatisfactory because was he, did he practice yesterday? Did he practice two days prior? Who did he have in contact with that when the the team had the large outbreak, didn't catch it, but now he's playing catch with everybody for a pregame warmup? 
I saw him dapping up somebody from the Cowboys because that's a team he played with two or three years ago. So how do you even have a chance to get on the field? If you That goes back to just the Turner conversation. If I test it and it's said inconclusive, you stay your behind home. You don't come back until I test you again and I get a positive or a negative. I'm not bringing you out and weighing on the side of he's going to play. That's, that's haphazard. That's dangerous. Mark Ingram said the scariest thing about his COVID outbreak, the fact that he had to bring it home and gave it to his family. So it's not about the players playing. There's family members that are also impacted by this. So that is a bad, that, that's, that's just horrible, horrible. And it's going to get even worse the next four or five weeks where every game is playoff implications. So are you, when did you, oh, I, I, I don't know what else to say about that. that that's just horrible. We're looking at positives. We're looking at negatives. We're seeing, oh, it's great to be negative. It's great to be negative. It's great to get over it. I don't have it no more. But what about the lingering effects? We were talking offline about cardiomyopathy, which is a diseased heart, which can lead to a congestive heart failure, swelling of the legs, shortness of breath, like COPD. We're talking about loss of taste and smell months later. No, it's not just about getting back on the field. We need to look at these players' health and safety, not just to be negative. No, how about his health? High school coaches, parents of, of our teens and, and, and collegiate players, please, please think about player safety. My final burn is on this very same topic. Like I said, we're still dealing with this. It's exhausting. They, they call it COVID fatigue. I have it, we all have it, but I'm asking you, stay the course. The numbers are worse now than they've ever been. We shut down everything and rates were like three or 4%. And now, you know, schools are open and these, you know, numbers are higher and higher. So I know it's hard to stay home and to not do things, but think about those people that are facing these issues and, and, and the, really this issue every single day. And we, we won't have to deal with this forever. So just kind of keep that in mind and, and, and stay safe. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. Close and burn. I ran across a report. Uh, I'm encouraged as well as discouraged if it can be that in the same. Uh, of course, we know Black Lives Matter has been a, a big theme this year. But when we know that has taken a, 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 a stand nationwide, worldwide, this is an issue across the world. Uh, I'm encouraged what happened to Champions League soccer. There's a game between Istanbul and PSG and a match official, a match official, used a racial slur against an assistant coach. The assistant coach happened to be from Cameroon. So they had this contentious argument because he called him a racial slur. Both players from both teams, both sides of teams, walked out. Managers and players walked off saying, this is not tolerated. Kudos to them. Zero tolerance. The league came out and said they condemned the marks, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm encouraged to see that. While I'm discouraged to still see we have a long way to go. We still have a long way to go. This was not even in America. So when we talk about the issues of race, which when Dr. Hoover, Jania Hoover would go ahead and she would confirm race is a social construct. Race doesn't really matter. Race doesn't even exist. 
yet we've made this thing black, white, yellow, red, this, this divisive factor, which should not be. So continue to understand the causes, the root causes, why we are still fighting for social justice, that this struggle is not an American issue, it's a worldwide issue, but kudos to Champions League soccer saying this is not right, we don't stand for it, and both of those teams representing with their feet and walked out. That's something, again, goes back to using their platform. When the football, uh, basketball players did it earlier this year in the bubble, that showed the power of athletes. So I tell you, college athletes, high school athletes, and professional athletes, use your platform. What you say matters, use your voice, and maximize your impact. I want you to say thank you to the Pat Brewers in your life. You may not know Pat Brewer, but I believe she's in your life. She's a mother. She's an aunt. She's a sister. She's a daughter. She's a grandmother. She's a nurse. And a simple thank you. She leaves her home so that you can return to yours. Just a simple thank you. So Pat Brewers, the Pat Brewers, the nurses out there, the first responders, all of you out there, I salute you. And I just want to say thank you.